You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. What's up, Christ Walk? How's everybody doing today? It is so, so good to see all of you. Um, I'm excited about this morning. I've just had a sense of expectancy. I was talking to uh, some of the guys in my pastoral brotherhood this morning. We were texting back and forth and just encouraging one another. And it's already been an incredible day. It is going to continue um, despite the fact that uh, it is Super Bowl Sunday. So I'm dressed in all black in mourning for the Jaguars who will probably never make it to the Super Bowl. So, But we can, we can always hope. If the Bengals made it, then, um, you know, maybe, maybe there's hope for the Jags, uh, you know, in the next 40 years or so. So we might get to see that before Jesus comes. I don't know. Uh, before we jump in um, to the message today, I just want to thank all of you so much for um, the notes that you sent and, and, and wrote to me, um, the gifts that uh, you gave to uh, me and my family um, this past week for Pastor Appreciation um, overwhelmed does not do it justice, and thank you simply is not enough. Um, but humbly, that's what I have to bring here this morning. I was simply overwhelmed um, by just your generosity and your kindness and your goodness uh, to me and to Sarah and Luke and Avery. And thank you, thank you, thank you for the way that you appreciate us and that you love us. And with, um, uh, with, with such grace, um, you, you uh, model the core value of, of generosity and honor and authenticity and just incredible. Um, I can't believe uh, that, that I get to... Uh, to pastor this place and to be a part of this house and this community that God saw fit that out of everyone he could have chosen, um, he chose me. And I do not take that lightly, and it is truly an honor uh, to be the pastor here and to be your pastor. And I am excited about everything um, that God has done in the four years leading up to, uh, to this moment. And I'm excited about what he has in store for us uh, for year five and beyond. So four down, I've got, what, 31 more to go, I think. So um, I'm stubborn enough that I'm just going to do it. Okay, I'm just going to do it. So um, you're going to have to look at this balding head and aging face for the next 31 years. And if it looks this bad now, imagine what it's going to look like in 31 more years. Um, Today we are wrapping up a series uh, called Habits, um, where we've been talking about some of the small things that have the potential to make a huge difference in our lives. And if you remember all the way back in part one, we talked about starting small with just one word, just one verse, that it's the small things that nobody sees that often lead to the big results that everyone wants. And in part two, we talked about how our systems are, uh, are, are bigger than, better than our goals, and that successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. 
In part three, we talked about the importance of starting good habits and that we should never underestimate God's ability to do something big as a result of our choice to do something small. In part four, we talked about the importance of stopping bad habits and how today's decisions lead to tomorrow's destinations. And then two weeks ago in part five, we talked about the importance of our thoughts and how our life will move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And today we're going to wrap up this series by talking about our words, talking about our words. And so if you've got your Bibles, um, maybe you want to turn with me or swipe with me to the New Testament um, to the Gospel of Luke. That's three books in to the New Testament. Those first four books Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we refer to them as the Gospels because gospel means good news. And the reason those books are such good news is because they tell of the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to land um, in the Gospel of Luke. We liked it so much that we named our son uh, after him because Luke was a doctor and we wanted our son to grow up and be rich so that he could support me and his mother um, in the lifestyle to which we've become accustomed. And so that's how it should go. So Luke, uh, Luke chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 45 here in, in just a moment. Um, but if we're going to talk about words, if we're talking about words, the, the place that we really have to start is with the tongue. We got to start with the tongue. And, and um, I did a little bit of scientific research. The functions of the tongue include, first off, assistance in the movement of food during mastication, which I had to look up that word because I had no idea. It means chewing. I'm like, why didn't they just say chewing? Because mastication sounds gross, okay? But it's assistance in the movement of food during mastication and swallowing. It aids in gustatory sensation. Again, another one I had to look up. That means taste. I don't know why they just didn't say taste. Um, the third scientific thing uh, that the tongue provides is it serves as the cherry on top of a wicked nanana boo boo. You know what I'm talking about? That's science at work right there. But primarily, the tongue is used uh, to, to make possible the formation of speech or words. And so when we're talking about the tongue, here's what James, the brother of Jesus, says about the tongue in James chapter 3. Uh, starting in, in verse 3 and then through, through verse 8. He says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. And in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Continuing on, it says, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. And when I read that, I'm like, James, why don't you tell us how you really feel? about the tongue, right? Like, oh my goodness, that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Proverbs kind of sums this up in uh, Proverbs 18. It says in there in verse 21, it says, the tongue can bring, say it with me, death or life. 
The tongue can bring death or life. The tongue has power. Your tongue has power. It can give life or it can take it away. That's what the Bible says about it. Think about it. A bad marriage is likely filled full of life-taking words between husband and wife. A good marriage is likely filled with life-giving words. People that hate their job probably deal with a a boss that is harsh and speaks negatively. People that love their job probably work at Christ Walk Church. (laughs) People that love their job probably deal with a boss that is kind and speaks positively to them and about them. That person that you can't stand being around, if you really think about it, part of the problem is because when you're around them, the words they use, the language they use, the attitude that is conveyed with the words that they speak, it probably sucks the life right out of you. That person that you enjoy being around, it's probably, at least in part, is because their words are encouraging and uplifting and they serve as a cheerleader in your life. And when you're around them, you just feel pumped up and and, and excited because of the language that they use and the words that they speak. And so we're going to base our, our, the rest of today's message off of, of this kind of thought right here. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. And it's simply this, changing the life you live starts with changing the words that you speak. Changing the life you live starts with changing the words that you speak. If, if you want your life to be different, perhaps consider speaking differently. And we're going we're gonna to dig in and, and look at, at what that looks like and, and how we can go about that. But, but first, I got to know, is anybody playing Wordle? Anybody? Where's my Wordle people? I got a couple of nerds here that are willing to, um, you know, to own up to it. I, I'm playing Wordle. It's okay. So I'm calling them nerds, but I'm calling myself a few people. Um, in case you're, uh, you've lived under a rock for the past couple months and you don't know what Wordle is, um, Wordle is an online five-letter word game. And each day, a new word is released, and players have six attempts to guess what the word of the day is. And during the guesses, the tiles of the different letters will change color from gray to yellow to green um, that will help players get the word. A gray letter tile means that that letter is not in that day's word. A yellow letter tile signifies that that letter is in that day's word, but it's in the wrong place. And if you get a letter tile that turns green, it means that that letter is in that day's word and it's also in the right spot. And so players will select letters of the alphabet on a virtual keyboard and enter them into five blank tiles trying to guess what the word is. And, and when they're happy with a word that they have selected, they'll click this submit button and then things will spin around and tiles will either remain gray or they'll turn yellow or they'll turn green. And then based off of that, you insert other letters in. And so you're, you're guessing a word until once all five turn green, then you know that you have guessed the word for that day. And I stand here among you as 34 out of 34 in a row, 100% from day one when I started playing. And so, um, yeah, so I'm just going to toot my own horn. I'm a Wordle king um, <laughs> and a huge nerd, yes. 
Um, but I, I, I started thinking about this the other day as I was prepping for this message and everything. What, what if Wordle was based on my words? What if the game was based on the way that, that I speak or, or for you? What if, what if the game was based on the way that, that you speak, the words that you use? And I wondered, what, if that were true about us, if, if, if Wordle was based on the language that we use and, and the words that we speak, what, what would our guesses then be for what those words might be? What, what would other people, if they knew that the game was based on you and the language that, that you use, what would their guesses be for those words? For some of us, we might have to shift it from a five-letter game to a four-letter game. Uh, possibly. Some of y'all will get that on the drive home, um, but we may need to make some of those additions. But if it was based on us, what are the words that would pop up in that game? Proverbs twelve eighteen tells us this about the way that people talk. It says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 15, 14 says that gentle words are a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. So think about those two verses and, and, and what we are capable of in the words that we speak, in the language that we use, in the things that we direct toward other people that we're capable of, of cutting remarks, deceitful words, things that will crush the spirit of others, things like, why did you do that to your hair? Or you're pathetic. Or why can't you just be more like your sister? You'll never amount to anything. I hate you. But yet we're also capable of speaking words that are healing, that are gentle, that are life-giving, words like, I believe in you, you're beautiful, I'm so proud of you, you are awesome, I love you. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference and how careful we have to be because of the power that we wield with our tongue and what we are capable of? But it's a subtle difference that can, that can make all of the difference that when we choose to speak differently, it impacts the people around us in a different way. We can either build into their life or we can take their life away from them. So, so let's take a word inventory together. Take a word inventory together. When it, when it comes to um, how you speak about others, and, and be honest, I'm not going to get like a show of hands or anything, and so no, no elbow nudging or, or finger pointing or anything like that, but just think about this in your own mind right now. When it comes to the words that you speak to or, or say about other people, would you say that your words are closer to number one on the spectrum, the life-taking or are they closer to the end of the spectrum, the 8, 9, 10, that is, that's life-giving? The words that you speak to or about other people, your, your wife, your kids, your friends, your coworkers, your extended family, your pastor. What about when it comes to the words that you speak to or about yourself? 
Would you say that your words are down here? Like the things that you're speaking over yourself, are, are they more life-taking? Or, or are they down here on this end of the spectrum? Are they more life-giving? And so Luke uh, 6.45 actually talks about this. It's um, uh, Jesus speaking, and um, you've hopefully turned there uh, or swiped there in your Bible or on your smart device. Um, Jesus says this. He says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say... The words that come out of our mouth, what you say flows from what is in your heart. And so as you took that word inventory, if you found yourself um, on the the end of the spectrum that is more life-giving, then that means that that there's a good chance that you have uh, something closer to a healthy heart. Um, if you found yourself on the end of the spectrum that was closer to life taking, then, then perhaps you've got a heart condition that needs to be rectified. And, and if, if you weren't at, at number 10 on either of those, then you have room for improvement. We have room for improvement. We can always speak better. We can always use better, more different Words And so that's what we're going to talk about for the next few moments today is how we can get our heart right so that the right words come out of our mouth because it is out of the condition, it is out of the overflow of our heart, the things that are stored up inside of us that determine the words that come out of us. And so uh, if you're taking notes, you want to write these down, we're going to talk about two rules for changing the way that you speak. Two rules for changing the way that you speak. And then I'm going to come back at the end with just a final thought to kind of wrap everything up. Two rules for changing the way that you speak. Number one, if you can't say something helpful, shush it. And when you look up that word shush in the original Greek, no, I'm kidding. Um, Yeah, that's a very like, you know, very uh, deeply theological um, word shush. Here in the South, like we know that's more than just hush. Okay, to hush is one thing. Like, that's a southern word. This is a deeply southern word. You add that other S on the front, and like, you're getting serious about it. Shush. It's like with that intensity. So if, if you can't say something helpful, shush it. Ephesians 4.29, uh, Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. He says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything that you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let everything that you say, all of the words that come out of your mouth, let them be good and helpful so that they will be an encouragement to the people that hear them. I love this quote. Some of us live by this. It says, if you can't say something nice, say it in French, right? you can't say something nice, say it in French. Or I've heard it said, if you can't say something nice about somebody, come sit next to me so I can hear all about it. But that's not how we're supposed to live. No. How are we supposed to live? We're supposed to live the way that Thumper from Bambi taught us, that if you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. That's what Thumper taught us. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. Uh, this past weekend, we, we had a marriage conference 
um, here at the church. There was like 20 couples. It was incredible. Um, just the time in, in, in the, the word learning and, and fellowshipping and, and everything. And as a, part of, um, as a part of that, we catered in lunch for everyone on, on Saturday. And um, Saturday morning, uh, I, which I had placed, we placed the order for, for the catered lunch like many days in advance. And we'd already paid, and we'd gotten our confirmation email and everything, and it was all good to go. And Saturday morning at 9.30, I got a phone call from a local establishment, which will remain nameless, that said, I'm sorry, Mr. Snap, we are unable to fulfill your catering order for today. And I'm thinking, okay, I got like two hours until I'm supposed to feed all of these people. And some of them are big and scary and... Uh, like big scary men, and they're, they're hungry, and if I tell them, I'm sorry, there's, there's no food to eat, it's not going to be pastor appreciation, it's going to be pastor pulverization <laughs> is what it's going to be. And so, um, so I, I, called, I called this establishment back and, and uh, asked to speak to the manager, and uh, the manager explained to me the reasons why they were not going to be able to fulfill our catering order, and it was in that moment that I had a decision to make. And can I be very honest with you that as I stood right out in front of of our church, the church that I pastor, that my pastoral integrity was hanging by a thread (laughs) because I'd done my due diligence and we'd we'd been sure to put in the order ahead of time and we'd already paid and and the confirmation and it was all lined up and, and, and we'd done everything. And then now this local establishment was trying to make it like it was my fault that I hadn't done something correctly And were it not for the Holy Spirit, I could have ruined my witness and the good name of this church in the process. But by the grace of God, I held on. And it's amazing what you can get whenever you just speak words of life and encouragement. And I let them know, I believe in you. I think you can fulfill this order. You can do this. And so not only were they able to do it, they were able to do it on time. And we got it here and we got everybody fed and no one beat me up. And I maintained my salvation. And Christ Walk Church maintains its good good witness to the community. See, when it comes to our words, we're either helping or we're harming. We're either building up or we are tearing down. And the truth is, I, I, I would have, in, by worldly standards, and some of you might even say by Christian standards, I would have been well in my right to have really given that person a piece of my mind and really told them what I thought and, and really just, just, just talked about how ridiculous it was and, and how they shouldn't have been that way and they shouldn't have done it and how unprofessional. And, you know, we could go on and on and on of all the things that I could have said and that everybody would have said, yeah, you know, you're probably well within your right to do that. But guess what? That wouldn't have solved anything. In fact, that might have even made things worse. It might have been that, that, that they, they wouldn't have gone over and above to be sure that, that the order was fulfilled and that we got the things that we needed. 
because I took a different approach and I spoke positivity and life in the situation, it, it changed their outlook. And we were able to come to a compromise and, and meet in the middle and, and figure out a way to make things work. Our words can either build up or they can, they can tear down. They can help or they can harm. And so, so what we need to consider is before saying something, we need to consider, is this helping the situation or is this hurting the situation? Is this, is this building things up or is it tearing things down? Is, is, this, is this causing the other person to, to feel good about themselves? Is it, is it encouraging to them? Is it life-giving or is it stripping down and belittling and, and, and taking life away from them? And so when we consider, is this helping or is it hurting? If it's hurting, then don't say it. If it's not building up, then don't say it. If it's not encouraging, if it's not giving life to people, don't say it. And then that gives us some parameters. That gives us a, a filter or a lens to consider the words that we speak. And, and, and I don't know about you, but, but as I read this and as I'm talking about this, I'm thinking about like the words that I, the, uh, the things that I say and the way that I communicate things to my wife and to my kids and to the people that are around me. And it's a gut punch. Our words are going to determine the direction of our life, how we end up, the, the relationships that we have with other people. So, so number one, if, if you can't say something helpful, shush it. But then number two, if you think something good, gush it. If you think something good, gush it. Proverbs 16, 24 says this. It says, kind words are like honey. Sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Kind words. They're sweet. They're healthy. Maybe some of you have heard of um, what is known as the magic ratio. The magic ratio um, is a result of the work of noted psychologist John Gottman and his exploration of positive to negative ratios within marriages. Gottman used a five-to-one ratio, which he later dubbed as the magic ratio, where he and his colleagues predicted whether 700 newlywed couples would stay together or divorce by scoring their positive and negative interactions within one 15-minute conversation between the husband and the wife. Here's what's crazy. Ten years later, as they just, they, they, they put the score out there for that, that initial 15-minute conversation that they observed, and based on that five-to-one magic ratio, determined whether or not they believed that that couple would end up staying together or getting a divorce. Ten years later, the follow-up revealed that they had predicted divorce with 94% accuracy. 94% accuracy. Astonishing. Here's the point. Positive, helpful, uplifting, and encouraging words are super rare, which means they're super important. Simply put, your words matter. The things that come out of your mouth matter. They make a difference, good or bad, to the people that hear them. And we think a lot of unhelpful things that 
we probably do say that maybe we should just keep to ourselves. I've also discovered that we, we, we think a lot, of, uh, a lot of good, a lot of helpful, a lot of uplifting things that, that we end up not saying and, and, and keep to ourselves. So, so what about when we think something good about someone else? Like, I wonder how many times have we thought something good about someone, but we've robbed them of the blessing that it could bring to their life because we've chosen to stay silent and we haven't verbalized it. We're really quick to say things that are bad, say things that, that, that bother us, say things that are, that are critical and, and condemning and tearing down, but, but it seems like the good things, we often hold those in and, and, and we think them, but they never quite make it to the tip of our tongue where they come out in verbal encouragement. So I've, I've been trying to, um, for several years now, uh, practice this um, in, in my own speech and, and, and being very intentional about it, um, especially uh, that, you know, now that I have teenagers um, who are like, this may come as a shock, I don't know, it's probably just my teenagers, but they're a bit dramatic and emotional. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that none of you can identify with that, but that's how it is in my house. And so I want to be sure. Um, I want to be sure that my kids know how I feel. And so I will. I will say things here recently to Luke. I will. I will look at him and I'll say, "Son, it's a nice fit today." Now, for you older people, that means I like your clothes. All right. You don't say outfit anymore. I've come to discover. You just say nice fit. Or, or if you want to take it a step further, I would say things like, "You're looking drippy today." Now, that does not mean that he just got out of a swimming pool or a shower. That means that, that his, his outfit, the, the, the attire that he has on, that it, it, it looks very, very nice and, and kempt and handsome. Um, and then I'll tell him, even my, my son, uh, who, who towers over me now, um, I will look him in the eye, man to man, and I will tell him, I love you. And through clenched teeth and everything, he'll kind of mumble back, love you too. Even as he's getting out of the truck, you know, at school, trying not to embarrass him. My daughter, Avery, um, I make it a point every single day to tell her how beautiful she is and how much I love her. You know why? Because there's some crusty little middle school boy at her school that's going to come along and going to try to tell her those things. And I want to be sure that she's not hearing it from him the first time, that she knows where she stands and that she doesn't need his validation, that she's got it from her dad who is funneling it, channeling it into from her heavenly father into her. She doesn't need that validation from him. She's already getting it from me. And so when that crusty little boy comes around, she's going to say, I already know those things because my daddy told me. And you know something else? He's got guns, so you best stay away. That's what she's going to say. Because I am my daddy's princess, and boys are gross. We've been instilling that into her from a young age. Not a day goes by that I, tell my, that, that I don't tell my wife, I love you, and I'm telling you right now, you're hot. And I am so thankful that God chose you for me. 
And, and the, the other day, um, I got a text. Sarah and I were texting back and forth. Um, really, it was me just sending a bunch of texts to her. But the text that came back said, um, your daughter is gagging right now. And I said, that's what she gets for being nosy and trying to read your texts. Because they were meant for her eyes, not for my daughter's eyes. But she knows how her daddy feels about her mama, that's for sure. And I'm okay with that. See, I want to be sure that with my wife and with my children, that in the words that I speak to them, which I don't always get it right, don't, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not painting the picture like I'm the perfect person and that I always speak the words that I should, but, but I want to be purposeful and intentional in their life to leave no doubt of how I feel about them. My wife and my kids, they are awesome. And I am a blessed man. And I know that many of you feel that way about your spouse and your children and your family and the people around them. But if you never open your mouth to say those things, then they're never going to know. So if you think something good, gush it. Let them know. Every single week, every single Sunday morning, for the past four plus years before I've walked out on this stage to preach God's word, I get a text from my dad that says, love you, son, praying you have a good day. I believe in you, you know, just stuff like that. And if my, if my dad is, if, if he's, if he's uh, working on the shift where he's still sleeping that morning because he works swing shifts and everything, then, then my mom will jump in and, and fill in his stead. And she'll always say something, you know, that, that would echo what my dad would say. And she's, I'll, I'm sure your dad will text you later whenever he wakes up. And every Sunday he does. And every Sunday afternoon, I get a text. No matter how good the message was, no matter how bad the message was, that just says, great message, son. I'm proud of you. You don't know what that means. Words carry so much weight. My dad's watching right now, and he's probably crying. <laughs> We're a lot alike. Just a pre-service text message that just says, I'm praying for you, and I believe in you. And then a post-service message that just says, great sermon today great message today. Church was awesome today. Just means so much. A couple years ago, Luke and I, we, we took a father-son trip down to Universal Studios for a few days to, to just have fun, and um, we'd spent all day at the park, and uh, we, we had gotten done with, with all the activities and everything, and um, we were getting hungry, and there was also a Kentucky basketball game coming on, and um, so we needed to get to a restaurant that had TVs and everything. And, and there at the City Walk, there's a sports bar there. And so um, we were able to get in really quickly. And uh, so we, we went in and we told them, hey, we've been at the park all day. We just want to watch this game. We want to get some good food to eat. And so they ushered us over to a table quickly. And there were some other games on the TVs that were surrounding us. And, and even before tip-off, they, they had changed the channel to the game that we wanted to watch. And so we sat there and, and we ate uh, buffalo wings and cheese sticks and, you know, and, 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 and everything and just had a great conversation and, and watched the game and cheered on our team. And, and it was just an incredible time. And the, the server was awesome. 
Like, I mean, he went over and above. Our drinks never got empty. He was always coming around to, you know, check on us and be sure that we had everything that, that we had. It was just an incredible experience that I look back on fondly, even, even to this day. Just something that I got to share with Luke that was just me and him. It's something special, just the time that, that I cherish because we're, we're not going to get it back. And, and at the end of that, like, it was just an incredible experience top to bottom. But at the end of that, like, when, when I paid the bill... And, and, and I left a generous tip, of course, but, but my, our, our server hadn't seen that yet. And I said, um, I, I asked him when I handed it to him, I, I said, is there any way that I could talk to a manager? And his, his countenance changed completely, and he got, like, disheartened and everything. He said, yeah, I'll, I'll go get the manager for you. And, and he looked up, and, and, and there was a gentleman standing just over in the next section, and he said, actually, that's him right there. Do you want to go and speak to him? And so the manager is seeing from across the restaurant, he's seeing me lock eyes with him and, and the server pointing his direction. And he sees me stand up and start over to him. And not only is the server disheartened and looking down, but the manager, you can tell he's bracing himself for impact. Like this is not his first rodeo. And I'm not putting my cards out on the table. I'm very straight-faced and I stroll over very matter-of-factly and everything. And I said... I need to tell you about the experience that I had with, and I called the server's name, and he said, yes, what, what can I do for you? And I said, it was one of the best experiences that we've ever had. And I grinned from ear to ear, and I just told him about how great that server was and how great the food was and the experience and everything that had happened. And, man, you talk about, like, building in some, some positive equity. Like, that was something that man needed. And I told him, I said, that server, you need, to, you need to give him a high five. You need to give him a raise. Like, he's doing some things good. Like, you need to show your other servers what he's doing and have them pattern themselves after him. Like, because of the experience that I had, that my son and I had, We'll come back to this place every time that we are here because it was such a positive experience. I mean, you don't know what that did. Like, there was a, there was a breath of fresh air that just washed over the place because that's not what they normally get. And all I had to do was just communicate the good things that had happened. I didn't have to say that. I could have kept it to myself. We could have gone on about our business. We could have had that, that great experience and, and, and never, never said anything about it. But I wanted to be sure that they knew because I know, having worked in restaurants, and many of you have as well, what's often on the other side of that. If you think something good, gush it. And now this doesn't just apply to what we say to or about others, it also applies to what we say about ourselves. In 1 Samuel verse 30, or chapter 30, verse 6, the, the Bible says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Not just encouraging others, we can use our words to, to build up ourselves. And I've started doing this. I wrote some daily declarations that uh, are in keeping with the core values, the eight core values of our church. And, and every morning in my devotional time, I will proclaim these over myself. And so at, at the end, I, I'm done reading my Bible and praying and, and writing in my journal and everything. And I've got these written in the, in the front page of my journal. And so I flip there and I just, I read these out loud and I, I proclaim them over my life that today I will point people toward Jesus Christ in thought, word, and deed. Today, I will live on mission and be mindful of those around me, particularly those that are far from God. 
Today, I will be a person of honesty and integrity. Today, I will show honor to those around me, up, down, and sideways. Today, I will choose to put others and their needs in front of my own. Today, I will be a giver of my time, my talent, my treasure, and my testimony. Today, I will give God and others my very best. Today, I will be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and choose to view the world through the lens of the gospel. It's a little pep talk that I give myself at the beginning of every day. It's, it's a daily reminder of who I am in Jesus and who he has called me to be. And there's been many times in many situations that it's because of those words that I've spoken over myself at the beginning of my day that they have helped to shape my behavior in the hours that followed, like when I'm on the phone with someone who isn't fulfilling my catering order. That I've thought, wait a minute. I said that I was going to live this way. And those are the things that I spoke over my life. And because of those words, it changed how I behaved. And it changed the direction and it changed the outcome of both who I was and the situation that I was involved in. And it starts with the words that we speak over ourselves. And so my final thought for today is this. I just couldn't get away from this as I was putting this message together. If, if our words are going to determine the direction of our life and the, the things that we speak point us in a particular direction, I couldn't help but wonder that, that, is it possible that when it comes to our lives, we aren't getting the results that we desire simply because the words that we're speaking aren't in keeping with or in alignment with God and his word? Is it possible that we're not getting the results that we desire because the things that are coming out of our mouth aren't echoing what's in this book right here? Because here's what I know to be true about this book, Isaiah 55. It says, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. If our lives are not producing fruit, if our lives are not accomplishing more for the kingdom, if our lives are not prospering, then could it be simply that the words that we are speaking are not in keeping with the words that we have been given to speak and declare over our lives and over our family? Do your words align with God's word? See, here's what I've come to discover. If, if we want God's word to flow out of us, we first have to get God's word into us. If we want it to come out of us, we've got to get it into us. Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Luke 6.45, a different translation than we read earlier, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So if we are hiding God's word in our heart so that we won't sin against him, if we're stowing that away and, and tucking that away in our heart, then out of our heart determines the words that we speak. If we're putting God's word in, then we have no choice but for God's word to come out. And so if you don't like the output, Change the input. If you don't like what's coming out, change what you're putting in. 
at Lee University, the, the college that I went to, we had a Christian university. We would have chapel services Sunday evenings and Tuesday and Thursday mornings. And at the close of every chapel service, we would recite Psalm 1914. And I want to issue this as a challenge to you. Some of you that maybe you don't like the words that are coming out of your mouth, this is a great place to start. To hide this word, tuck it away, commit this verse to memory, and incorporate it into your daily prayer time. Every morning before you walk out the door, speak this over your life and see what happens. It's this, Psalm 1914. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Changing the life we live starts with changing the words that we speak. When it comes to your words, is your language pleasing to the Lord? What are the words that you're speaking that you need to shush? What are the thoughts that you're thinking that you need to gush? What have you been speaking over yourself, over your family, that you need to replace with words from God's word? To recap our series, if we're going to develop the kind of habits that are going to get us down the road to where we want to be, and even more than that, where God wants us to be, we've got to start small. Just a subtle change can put us on a completely different tra trajectory. It's, we start with one word, just one verse. We put systems in place. Instead of focusing on the goals of where we want to go, we, we focus on the systems that are going to get us there. And we put those systems in place that are going to lead to the desired results that we want to see. We're going to replace one bad habit with one good habit. We're going to begin to align our thoughts and our words with God's word. And if you and I, if we chose to begin to do those things right now, today, this is how we're going to live from this point forward. How might our lives look different a week from now, a year from now, five years from now? What if we chose to live that way? What would God do in and through us? What would God do in and through this house? What would God do in and through our families and in our neighborhoods and our community if we chose to just change a few Small habits. Realign and recalibrate in accordance with his word. Amen? Amen. Would you just open your hands and receive this prayer of blessing as we close out this series? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the truths that are found in your word. And God, I pray blessing upon your people today. Lord, that you would, through the Holy Spirit speaking into their life, Lord, that you would drop a word into their heart, that you would illuminate a scripture to them, Lord, that they could see that this is the direction that you would have them to head over the coming year. 
God, I pray that you would help them to put the proper systems in place that are, that are going to help move them forward to the desired location, the desired destination of who you're calling them to be. Lord, that they would be able to replace old negative habits with new positive ones that are going to get them moving in that right direction, Lord. And that, that in their thought life and in their language, God, and everything that they do and say, God, that it would be in alignment with your word, that we would be a people who would hide your word away in our hearts so that out of the overflow, the mouth could speak. And that as we do to our families, to our friends, to our coworkers, our neighbors, those that we just come in contact with in the grocery store, God, that we would be life-giving rather than life-taking. And God, I thank you for the work that you have begun at the beginning of this year and how you are going to continue it in our hearts and lives for the remainder of 2022 and for the people that your people are becoming as a result. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.